Good morning, church. How are we doing? Go ahead and I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Feel free to use the table of contents. We're also going to have the verses up on the screen behind me. Um, But as you turn there, I just want to take time to just welcome every single one of you. We are glad that you are here, especially if you're visiting with us. Um, Maybe some of you here are um, experiencing Christianity or have questions about it. Or maybe you came here to please a friend who's been bugging you to come. But maybe you don't know about this Jesus thing or this church thing. We're glad that you are here. And we just want to welcome each and every one of you. My name is Steve Wilkinson. I get to be the student minister slash pastoral resident here at the church at Harpeth Heights. And it's so good to just be together and to dive into God's word. And so John chapter 11, let's go ahead. Let's jump in there. Verses 1 through 27. You guys ready? All right. Verse 1. Now a man was sick. Lazarus from Bethany. The village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sister sent a message to him. Lord, the one you love is sick. And when Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness will not end in death. But is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus, he loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. Rabbi, the disciples told him, just now the Jews tried to stone you and you're going there again. Aren't there 12 hours in a day? Jesus answered. If anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks during the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him. It's kind of confusing what he's trying to say there, but. Pretty much Jesus saying his time has not yet come to go to the cross. It's safe for them to go to around Jerusalem. And he said this. And then he told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, then he will get well. Again, we see here a lot of times Jesus is trying to say spiritual things to disciples. And they always think he's talking about natural things. And we see that here. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death. But they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus then told them plainly, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe. But let's go to him. Then Thomas, called twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too so that we may die with him. And when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. 
And Bethany was near Jerusalem, less than two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. And as soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Yet, even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. God, we just come before you today to look at you, to gaze at who you are, and to worship you, Lord. Be with us, God. Open up our eyes to see your glory, to see who you are to see your love for us. God, open our eyes to see that today as we dive into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, in this passage, we see, we see sickness, we see death, we see grieving, we see pain, and we see that it exists in the world, and it affects Martha and her family. Her brother was sick and he died. And there was nothing that she could have done on her own to save him. There was nothing. And I think we all can relate to Martha here. I know we have all, if most of us, if not all of us, have had a loved one who has passed away or who has died from sickness, from tragedy, from anything. And so we can feel her pain. She's sad. She's grieving. And the reality of it is is that we too live in a fallen world where sin, where death, and where pain exist. There's nothing that me and you on our own can do about that. Death comes for us all. can make all. All the amounts of money you want. You can have all the power, all the success you want. But death comes for us all. Suffering comes for us all. Pain comes for us all. And there's nothing that we can do on our own. Enter Jesus. The only hope that we have. And so this is the main point that I want us to get from this passage today. This is the main point. Jesus has come to reveal himself to us so that we may trust in him and live. Jesus has come to earth. God in the flesh has come and he has revealed himself 
so that we can trust in him and live. And in our passage today, Jesus, he's going to reveal himself in three ways to Martha. So he pursued Martha by revealing himself to her. And he is still pursuing us today through God's word. And so now stay with me today because as we learn more of who Jesus is, the simple call is to, that it will lead us to trust in him, to trust in him more. And so think about it. When you have two people who are dating, how do they learn to love each other more or trust each other more? They spend time with each other, right? Now, you can go the other way with that. As more time they spend with each other, they like, oh, I don't know if I really like this person. <laughs> right? We're human. We're not perfect. But that's not the case with Jesus. Jesus is so glorious, so beautiful. He is good. He is trustworthy that the more you look at Jesus, you can't help but to love him more. The more you look at Jesus and focus on him, you can't help but to trust him more and more and love him more and more. And as we look at Jesus today, for some of you, maybe it will be for the first time you seeing his beauty and you trusting in him. But for many of us who are followers of Jesus, my hope is that looking at who Jesus is will lead you to sweeter worship of him. As you look at who Jesus is, it will lead you to trust him more and it would deepen your faith and your trust in Jesus. That you'll grow closer with him. And so let us gaze our eyes at the beauty of the king this morning, whom loves us and gave himself for us. For who else would we rather fix our eyes on than Jesus? Who else is worthy of our worship than Jesus? And so today, Jesus is going to be standing in front of each and every one of us. He's going to be saying, this is who I am. This is who I am. Do you believe in me? Do you trust me? And so, first, we need to know the context of this passage so that we can set ourselves up for the way that Jesus revealed himself to Martha and the way that he is still revealing himself to us today. And so in verse 4, after Jesus received the sister's message that Lazarus was sick, We see the ultimate reason for his sickness. Jesus says in verse 4, The sickness will not end in death, but it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified in this. The sickness will not end in death. It's for the glory of God. And so when Jesus, when he received the message from the sisters, he does not say, Let's go to Lazarus and heal him so that he will live. No, he says, this happens so that God will be glorified. And so right from this verse, we see that Jesus is getting at something bigger in this story. He's getting at something bigger here than just physically healing Lazarus and relieving the grief of the sisters. 
And this is nothing new to us. Last week in, when Jesus healed the blind man in John chapter 9, verse 3, Jesus says that the blindness came about so that God's work might be displayed in him. And so let's stop for a second because this is an important truth spread all throughout the Bible. And it's this, that God's greatest desire is to reveal himself to us. This is God's greatest desire, to reveal himself to us. This is what the Bible attests to. This Bible is a story of God revealing himself to us, to restore us back to him. So God desires to reveal himself to us. And he is so good, he is so glorious that he has created us ultimately to display his glory to us. He's created us ultimately to display his glory to us so that we will worship him and so that we will enjoy him. And because God is so great and holy and gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in faithful love, that when you see him, you worship him. And when you see him, you enjoy him. And when you see him, you gladly follow him and obey him. And this is important. And the way that God has chosen to reveal his glory Or to reveal himself to the world is by working to restore his fallen creation back to himself through Jesus. God has chosen to reveal himself ultimately through the working of restoring all things back to himself through Jesus So the Bible, it shows us that God desires to reveal himself. And this is what we do every time we dive into God's word. And we fixate on Jesus. We see God. We see him. And so back to our story. John makes it clear multiple times that Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. The Bethany family for short. Jesus loved him. In verse 3, the story, the sister said, Lord, the one you love is sick. And in verse 5, John says, now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So Jesus, he loved this family. And that's important to know. John makes it clear that we know this because in verse 6, we kind of get a twist in the story. Jesus says this. So when he, Jesus, heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed Two more days in the place where he was at. What, Jesus? That makes no sense. Because you love them, you stayed two more days where you were at rather than going to them? Just imagine a a loved one who is sick in a hospital close to death and a doctor waits two days to heal them or serve them and they end up passing or even more that doctor you were close to them and you loved them and they loved you Lord if you'd have been here if you'd have been here Jesus 
our brother would not have died. Martha, she is grieving. Where were you, Lord? I called for you. I know you have the power to heal. And maybe many of you this morning are going through something. You're you're grieving and you're saying, Jesus, where are you? Do you see me? Do you love me? I'm trusting that you love me, but I don't feel it. Where are you? Martha, she had a plan. She acted, but Jesus was four days late. And this is important. She's not rebuking Jesus for not being there. She's not rebuking Jesus. She is grieving. She is sad. Her brother has just died. In these words, we also see words of faith from Martha. She knows that if Jesus was there, Lazarus would still be alive. She knows that Jesus has the power to heal. But Jesus did not respond the way Martha wanted or expected. And many of you have experienced this in your own life or you're experiencing this now. But hear this loud and clear. Jesus was not denying coming to the family. Jesus was not denying coming to the family. He loved them. And Jesus, he loves you. I don't know what you're going through today, but keep trusting in Jesus. Don't trust your feelings. Trust God's word that proclaims that he loves you. Keep trusting in him. Even if you don't know how God is working in your situation, keep trusting in him. Instead, Jesus' actions, instead, Jesus' actions to wait were proclaiming. We're proclaiming that he had greater works in store for the family. And the disciples. You've seen it right here in verse, um, I don't remember what verse it is. But he says to the disciples, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you may believe. And Jesus has greater works in store for the world. All for the glory of God. All for the glory of God. So with his actions, he was proclaiming that he had greater works in store for the family. And so Jesus, he is working something in your life for God's glory and your good. And maybe you cannot fully understand it, but that is okay. Keep trusting him. We need to start asking in every situation that we are in, how can I glorify God in this situation? How can I glorify God in this situation? And as hard as it may be, that's how we suffer well as followers of Jesus. Because when you're going through suffering, which we will go through, you can suffer poorly or you can suffer well. And so now listen to this. The most loving thing that Jesus could have done for Martha here was not to answer her in the way that she wanted and expected him to. That was not the most loving thing that he could have done for her. No, the most loving thing that he could have done for her and that he did do for her was to reveal his glory to her. 
reveal who God is to her so that she would believe and have life. You see it. The most loving thing that he could have done for her was not answer her in the way she expected or wanted, but answer her, but reveal himself to her so that she could believe and have eternal life. So think about little kids. Little kids don't know what's best for them, right? If it's up to them, they would stay up all night. They would eat junk food, play video games. But as parents who love their kids, they know what's best for them. So what do they do? They make them go to bed at a reasonable time. They make them brush their teeth so their teeth don't rot out. They make them eat their vegetables so that they can, what, grow up healthy and strong, right? They know what's, parents know what's best for them. They don't always give them what the kids want. And in some sense, we too, including myself in here, we're kids. That we don't know what's best for us. We're trusting that God does. Because he is the one who is good and righteous. We're trusting him. My life isn't about me. It's about him. I'm trusting that he knows what's best for me. He's the one that created me. Right? So listen to me. The most loving thing that Jesus has done for you is doing for you and will do for you is most likely not to answer your prayers the way that you want Jesus to answer them. But it is for Jesus to pursue you and reveal himself to you so that you can trust in him and live. It's the most loving thing that Jesus has done for us is to pursue us and reveal himself to us so that we can live. Now, Take a little side note here. I'm not discouraging you from taking all of your cares, all of your worries, all of your needs to Jesus and pleading for him to work and trusting that he will work. The Bible is clear on that. This is good. Jesus desires to serve us in this way. It's a way of humbling ourselves and coming before him. But our heart posture needs to be, God, not my will, but your will be done. Not my plans, God, your plans be done. This is exactly what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. I practiced that word, Gethsemane. This is what he prayed in in the garden before going to the cross. In Matthew 26, 39, My Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. So you don't have to say in every single prayer, God, not my will, but your will. For the Lord, he knows your heart. He knows if you ultimately want his plan for your life or your own. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you should ultimately desire God's plan over your own plan. For he's God. He's completely good. He's righteous and he knows what's best for you. So that's a little side note. So now let's get into how Jesus reveals himself in three ways to Martha in this passage. And he still reveals himself to us today in these three ways. Jesus says to her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He stands before Martha. Martha who's grieving. 
I am the resurrection and the life. Now, we don't have as much time as I would love to. You could write a whole book on that one verse right here. But Jesus revealed himself in three ways here. First, he says, I am. I am. He's proclaiming that he is God. He's going back all the way to the story of when God approaches Moses in the burning bush. And he's sending Moses to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt. And Moses says, who must I tell the Israelites sent me? And God says, tell them I am. I am has sent you. This is who I am. This is how I will be known throughout generations and generations. I am. And here Jesus is. God himself in the flesh standing before Martha saying, I am. I am God. And then he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he continues in verses 25b through 26. He says, the one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And so I'm going to try to just take us real quickly through this verse. So hopefully we can unpack this and understand it a little more. Um, I think my tape's coming off. Yeah, this tape is uncomfortable. We are spiritually, so we are spiritually dead. I move too much. We are spiritually dead because of our sin. And we're not physically dead, right? We're still in our flesh. We're alive physically, but we're spiritually dead. So spiritual death means this. It means that we are separated from God. Our souls are separated from God because of our sin. Because of our sin, we're separated from him. Now, this is what life means. Life means we are restored to God. That's what eternal life means. Jesus says it plainly in John chapter 17, verse 3. Listen to this. He says, this is eternal life. That they may know you, God, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. And so life means being restored to God in a loving fellowship. And spiritual death means separation from God. And so if we are spiritually dead, then how do we receive eternal life? How do you come from death to life? You're resurrected. And Jesus has come saying, I am the resurrection. I am the one who has the power to bring dead things to life. That's why he raised Lazarus from the dead. He was illustrating that I have power over death. And that is ultimately what he shown in the resurrection come Easter time. He rose from the dead showing I have power over sin. I have power over death. And I have the power to bring you from death to life. And so you kind of have two parts of resurrection. So the one part, yes, we will be resurrected in the last day when Jesus returns and our souls are restored to our perfected, resurrected bodies. And we yearn for that day. But this promise of resurrection and life is not just in the distant future. That's what Martha was getting at. I know that Lazarus will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She wasn't entirely wrong. But 
Jesus is saying to Martha. You can have resurrection in life now. I am here. I am the resurrection in life. I stand before you. I have come to bring life from death. And so we're spiritually dead because of our sin. And Jesus has come to resurrect us spiritually now so that we can have eternal life starting now. We can now enter into a relationship with God to know him and enjoy him now by faith in Jesus. And though we will die physically still, we will never truly die because our souls are united with Jesus. That's what he's getting at in verse 25b. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And then verse 26 says, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. So this is talking about when we are spiritually made alive by being united with Jesus by faith, we will never die because our souls will never be separated from God. That is good news. We'll never be separated from God in Jesus. And so true death is not to physically die. But true death, the death that Jesus is ultimately concerned about, is us being separated from God. And he has come to restore us back to God. Praise God. That's the good news. And so here is the simple gospel message. And if you're experiencing Christianity, then right now is the time to listen up, especially to this part. And so Jesus, he has come. God in the flesh has come to earth and he's lived a perfect life. And then he went to the cross to bear all of our sins on himself. And he took on God's wrath that was due us. I'm sorry, microphone. And <laughs> I lost my place. <clears throat> Jesus has come and died on the cross for our sins. And God poured out his wrath and Jesus died and he was buried in a tomb. And then comes Easter time. That's what we're going to celebrate next month. Jesus rises from the dead. He is alive. He has physically rose from the dead. He has defeated sin. He has defeated death. He has physically ascended into heaven where he is right now at the right hand of God, advocating on our behalf to God, reigning above all things. Jesus has physically rose from the dead, defeating sin, defeating death. And he promises that everyone who puts their trust in him, who turns from themselves and trusts in him, that your sins will be forgiven for good and you'll be restored back to God. You'll be restored back to God. Sorry. And so grief and suffering and death will not be our final story. It won't be our final story. For our life is found in Jesus. And we will live for eternity with him, enjoying him. I wish I had my other hand. I could wave that too. For he is God. He is the resurrection. He is the life. 
And Jesus, he asked Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe me? And Jesus is asking you today. He has come. He has revealed himself to you today through God's word. And he's saying, do you believe? Will you trust in me with your life? Will you gladly follow me? And how does Martha, how does she respond in verse 27? Yes, Lord. I believe. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. Do you see it? Jesus glorifies God and himself by proclaiming to Martha who he is. And Martha believes in him. Martha believes Jesus, he will raise Lazarus from the grave in verse 33. But the physical rising of Lazarus will only bring temporary relief for Martha. For Lazarus will physically die again. And more sorrow will come and find Martha again in this fallen world. But Jesus revealing himself to Martha and she's seeing him and believing him is eternal. She now has life in Jesus that goes far beyond this temporary suffering in this life. And in the midst of her grief, in the midst of her pain, Jesus pursues Martha and he reveals himself to her and she puts her trust in him. Jesus never promises to Martha that he was going to raise Lazarus. Lazarus was still in the tomb. And in the midst of her grief, in the midst of her not knowing how Jesus is working in this situation. She trusts in Jesus. So why should we trust in Jesus? Why should we find our hope in him like Martha, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of grief in our own lives or in the world, when we don't know how Jesus is working? Because Jesus has come. Sorry for all the movement. But Jesus has come. To reveal himself to us so that we will trust in him and live and be with him forever. It's the most loving thing that Jesus can do for us. It's to pursue us. Reveal himself to us so that we can have life. Many of you are grieving over something. You're grieving over something this morning. Maybe a loved one has passed away. You're grieving the war in Ukraine. You're grieving over big life decisions. Buy this house, don't buy this house. And you're calling on, out to Jesus to help you. Maybe he hasn't answered yet. Or maybe he's not answering you in the way that you want or expect. Or maybe you are trusting in Jesus, but it's hard. I urge you to keep trusting in Jesus. Keep trusting in him. Trust in his timing. Trust in his plan. And trust in him alone for him. He's all you need. He's all you need. I'm not trying to make light of any of your situations. I'm not. But do you believe that this morning? Jesus, he is all you need. And if he is all you have, then you will be okay. Be better than okay. You'll have him. You'll have life. 
the midst of our grief, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of this suffering world, let us rejoice that Jesus has come to us to reveal himself so that we can have life, so that we can have him. This is good news. Like, praise God. In Psalm 90, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's a prayer of Moses. In verse 10, it says this, Our lives last 70 years, or if we are strong, 80 years. But even the best of them are struggle and sorrow. Verse 13 and 15, Lord, how long? Lord, how long? Turn and have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your faithful love so that we may shout with joy and be glad all the days. Make us rejoice. And maybe that's the prayer for some of you this morning. Like, God, help me satisfy my soul in Jesus. Help me to rejoice in you in the midst of this. I don't know how you're working, but help me. So will you trust in Jesus? He has revealed himself. Maybe for some of you, that's a trust in Jesus for the first time. Turn from yourself. Put your trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord and cry out to God to save you. If you're a follower of Jesus, will you continue to trust in Jesus, even when it's hard? Take heart. He sees you. He loves you. And he is ministering to you. And will we, will we go out and proclaim who Jesus is throughout Middle Tennessee? Experts say 200,000 people are moving here in the next two years from all over. And I know many of us go, man, traffic's going to get worse. Housing market's going to get worse. I know. But see the beauty in it. Many of these people don't know Jesus and they're coming right to us. And so will we take this glorious Jesus that we know, will we take this to them? Will we, will we pursue them by planting churches, by revitalizing churches, by partnering with churches so that God's glory will be known throughout Middle Tennessee and the world. So will we commit to this church? Will we put our treasure to this end so that God would be glorified? So we're going to have a time of response. So if you just bow your heads. I just want to give you all just 120 seconds to be alone with God. The altar's open or you can stay where you're at. Just pray to God whatever the Holy Spirit has put on your hearts. Maybe it's a cry to trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord for the first time. Maybe it's a cry to continue to trust in Jesus in the midst of pain and suffering. Maybe it's, God, help me satisfy my soul in you. And maybe it's to worship God for his grace, to send his son Jesus to reveal himself to us. So take your time with God now.